Hey, I'm Steph, and this is Not Today. Hello. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) Oh my gosh, you're back. (laughs) I am so honored to be back. I'm so excited to be here. For those of you who are unfamiliar, this is my friend Sienna. Hi, I was on one other episode. Um, You you were. It was great. It was indeed. This is great for me because I get to just sit back and be regaled by you about interesting stories. That's true. Um, We were just talking off mic about how we didn't last time say anything about how we know each other. That is also true, I believe. Um, I (gasps) met Sienna in 2019, right? Must have been. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We took an improv class together and... uh, Classic Los Angeles improv scene. Yes, girlies being girlies. Um, Girlies. And uh, the rest is history. I mean, we kind of... I mean, Upright uh, Citizens Brigade, which is where we went, literally is history. Yeah, it's gone. Oh, (laughs) my God. The building we went to no longer exists. Whoa, that is so weird. Our first memories, but then we took it out of the classroom. So true. And now we're besties. Now we're besties. And I love that. So, I love that. And I love that, and I will keep (laughs) loving that. But I'm excited to share these listener stories with you because... These are always fun episodes, and uh, I've got a good lineup today, so I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I really like these episodes yeah. uh, of your podcast, the listeners' ones, because there's just an, there's a personal touch, and it's crazy to hear how much happens to just regular people during their lives. Like, oh, the, the cuckoo things that happen just to people who, who listen to this podcast is crazy. I know. It's really a little scary, honestly, but actually, in one of the episodes... Um, one of the people said, oh, I thought I didn't have any stories. And I was like mentioning this to my friend. And then they were like, oh, but what about the time that you and then they tell their story? Because <laughs> even people who like don't realize that they've had something crazy happen have has yeah. had something crazy happen. Like, so. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the time, time where I jumped off a building and then no, it's not that. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Why don't we just jump right in? Let's do it. OK, so story number one starts hey my name is olivia and i have a story of how my sister and i survived an abduction oh wow yeah we're starting out strong first i would like to say i'm the oldest of four girls so my mother is a very aware woman and always taught us to watch our surroundings and drilled into our heads to never go somewhere alone and always Mm -hmm. watch everyone around you great great lessons yes good mom yes So one evening, my sister and I were checking into a hotel in Sebring, Florida, I believe is how you say it, to go to a bar and visit one of my friends who was a bartender at the time. My sister had one of her friends with us, and that friend ended up having to leave. So I stayed in the hotel while she took her to her car, and my sister went to a gas station for snacks and then came back. As I was in the shower, I thought I heard the hotel room door try to open, but I knew I had the top lock on, and my sister was on FaceTime with me. I finished my shower and looked at the door, and the lock was pushed out, like someone tried opening the door, and the lock stopped it. So, That's so scary. I know. Hotels, oh hotels are freaky, because there are so many ways you can like open a hotel room door. I'm oh. all over that side of TikTok. Are you on that really? side? Oh my absolutely not oh my gosh i guess it's because i have a survival podcast (laughs) i was gonna say (laughs) so i'm uh consuming that content um 
but yeah there's that algorithm yeah no there mm-hmm. are a lot of ways to open a hotel room door and you have to be Ooh. like really safe in a hotel room like i am I thinking that. about getting like a specific an external door lock because uh-huh. i don't necessarily trust the bar lock on a hotel room because there's just so, too many ways to open it and it's been proven many times Thankfully, that didn't happen in this story, uh, and the person got stopped by this one lock, so let's keep going. But I wish that they hadn't been trying to get in, though. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's bad. Don't love that for this person. That's so scary. (laughs) Yeah, and and she's in the shower. The shower. Are you kidding? Which is the worst place to be. Couldn't be more vulnerable. I've seen Psycho. No, we've all seen Psycho, right? We've all seen Psycho. So she finished her shower and she sees the lock was pushed out like someone was trying to open the door, but the lock stopped it. So I told her it was really weird and nobody knocked before they tried coming into the room. I got dressed and was on FaceTime with my sister still while she entered the lobby and I noticed two guys walking closely behind her. She went straight for the front desk instead of into the elevator where the guys seemed to be waiting for her. And she said, excuse me, I'm going to stand here for a minute. Those guys were really close to me and it made me feel uncomfortable. And the front desk lady said, yeah, I noticed that. So when she told me Uh. what she was doing, I was standing by the door and she said she was waiting for the elevator to come back down, which also props to her for waiting because yeah. a lot of people would be like oh i'm i'm overthinking but yeah she was like totally. i feel uncomfortable about this and i'm just gonna go stand by the front desk absolutely so yeah very good move so as a big sister i wanted to make sure she made it to the room okay i unlocked the door and i took one step out and turned and the guys were standing at the end of the hallway one smirked uh, one smirked ew. and hit you yeah one smirked and hit the other one in the chest and they both started running at me oh my god could you imagine the scariest thing i've ever heard i couldn't imagine a more terrifying situation that's horrifying men are a problem i'm sorry they are and they are and i've always said that (laughs) um so they're running at her. I slammed the door and screamed at my sister not to get on the elevator and that these men were trying to break into the room. I sprung into action, screaming everything I saw on them, down to hair color, their clothes they were wearing, approximate heights, etc. I grabbed a lamp and braced myself for them to break into the room, but all they did was pound on the door and shake the handle. All while my sister was downstairs screaming at the front desk lady, they're up there, they're trying to take my sister. Then, when the noise stopped, I heard my sister say, Is that them? And she turned the camera around, and it was most definitely them slowly walking out the front doors. Ew. 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 (laughs) She and the front desk lady, along with men from the army who happened to be staying in the hotel at the time, all ran outside after them and took pictures of the license plate. When the police arrived, they accused us for being on drugs because my eyes were, quote, red and dilated. And I told him, I was almost taken and I've been sobbing. My sister and I could have been gone. Oh my God. The audacity. Your eyes are red and puffy and wet. So you're on (laughs) drugs. What's that about? And you're shaking. You're shaking. (laughs) You're shaking like a leaf. That means you're on drugs, obviously. That means drugs. I'm a professional. I asked, why don't they pull up the camera footage? And the manager of the hotel approached, said that we were on the only floor without security cameras. No. Are you kidding me? In what universe? I never got a follow-up from the police about the men who tried to abduct us, but the lady at the front desk did tell me that they weren't even guests at the hotel. 
my sister and I of are course, forever yeah no seriously my sister and I are forever traumatized and now being a mother myself I will be drilling the same things into my daughter's heads that my mom did with me shout out to my mom or else who knows what would have happened to us I hope this story opens the eyes of young women to start watching their surroundings even in a relaxed moment thank you for sharing my story and as always keep breathing wow okay that that visual of the two grown men running at her full speed and then after that she's yelling out every single like thing she can see on them kind of like in taken do you remember taken no i never saw it you never saw taken oh uh, i mean do you know what happens no okay it's basically like girls who get abducted while they're on a in a broad trip um oh and her father is like it's really good movie you should it's a very good one you should watch it um but in the scene where she gets taken sorry if this is a spoiler um she's yelling out all the things she can see about the men to her father because her father's on the phone and he's like i'm gonna track down these men so that's like very taken style of this girl to yeah be like yelling out like green shirt long hair like tall five eight like whatever so smart it's so so smart smart, especially because you don't know what's gonna happen and then like god forbid these men did take this girl then her yeah. sister, who's on the phone, like has a somewhat description of these men. The disappointing cops, too. So disappointing. Yeah. The The women in the story were all super smart. And it's so depressing that being smart means like, yeah, be really careful because random men could just decide to do a crime to you. Yeah. Not only that, but random men could also decide that you're on drugs and you're not believable. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah. So Ugh. I don't know. Thank you to all our allies. Seriously. Vulnerable people yeah and do better if you're part of the problem absolutely if you for example anybody listening to this if you ever thought about running towards somebody full speed and abducting them don't do it try not doing that actually think about that <laughs> in one. fact if you see it stop it yeah i think that's a good place to end story number one <laughs> yeah that's my take and i think what they did was no good and i agree with you wow so glad you guys are okay absolutely thank you so much olivia for sending in your story and we are so glad that you guys are okay and props to you guys for doing what you did because that was a terrifying situation we're a very we're sister heavy podcast duo at this moment absolutely we know the sisterhood watching out for each other so happy happy about that yeah big sister girlies um okay on to number two this story is from kira hello kira my name is Kira, and I live in Michigan. Oh, okay, Michigan. Okay, Michigan. Um, this happened three years ago in 2020. I was with someone who was really not good for me and put up a lot of red flags. Mm. I was about 21 and being naive. I moved down to North Carolina with my boyfriend of seven months at the time. We had been fighting, and I thought I could save the relationship or something. I really did not know what I was doing, which sounds like classic 20s. I was going to say, so relatable. I'm yeah. so sorry. I never yeah. know what I'm doing. Um, the day we got down to North Carolina, he broke up with me. I was devastated. Ah. The audacity. I mean, can you believe? He tells you to move with him to North Carolina, and then he's like, actually, bye. <laughs> like, okay. That's not. awful. I was devastated, but was trying to gain some sense of independence in a new state where I knew nobody besides my ex. I learned a lot of life lessons, but this was easily the worst breakup and worst year of my life. That's terrible. I had to live with him and depend on him the entire time I was down there. Eventually, I walked from our apartment and got a job I liked at a certain green mermaid coffee shop. 
which shall not be named apparently um within the five months we lived down there we moved three times oh my god that's so much moving five and they're broken up yes five months and three moves wait so so i'm so sorry did we know if she was splitting the rent i mean probably i would assume probably yeah but so this man breaks up with her and then is like hey can you keep living here i get that she also if i were in that situation i would also be like this the only person i know this freaking sucks and here i am you got to work with it but the absolute audacity of this man to be like so now that you're here like be my roommate yeah we're gonna move three times (laughs) we got to go somewhere else but um by the way we're still broken up yeah but sounds like a good person to be broken up with absolutely yeah it was probably a situation where like rent is so expensive and they were like oh i can just split rent and that's just yeah but he got to just he got to have he it, turned it into a roommate situation pretty fast. Yeah, he got to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we had moved out of walking distance to said coffee shop, and my ex drove a pretty unreliable old car at the time, leaving me with a pretty unreliable transportation to and from work. I started car hunting, again, naively, because making nine fifteen an hour at the coffee shop, I, of course, <gasps> did not qualify for any good cars. I eventually convinced my grandparents to lend me a few grand for a good used car. I got my favorite car I have ever had, a 2004 Oldsmobile Alero for four grand. Now, traffic in North Carolina is pretty terrifying. Everything is bends and curves and hills that have, a, that have blind spots that you can't see around. Traffic is go, 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 or just the opposite, where people stop on the highways for no reason, and nobody Damn. pays attention. That sounds terrifying. It's so weird to hear about, like, the, the traffic cultures of different cities, because it really is a thing. Absolutely. Like, people just don't pay attention, or dang. Yeah, that's really cool. scary. Uh, have you ever really scary. Have you ever been to Baltimore? No, but you told me it was, like, the worst, right? Yeah, I haven't driven all over the country, but, like, one of the worst cities I've ever driven in was Baltimore because it's just so windy and, like, people are driving fast and it's there's a bunch of one-way streets. It's awful. Uh, um, so think about the windiness. Damn. Yeah, so if North Carolina is anything like that, that sounds terrible. So they say nobody pays attention, and this day I was that person. This accident was 100% my fault, and I take credit for it fully. I was on my way home from work, going down the highway, a hot coffee in my cup holder that I so kindly got from my ex. <laughs> the, traffic, the traffic started getting congested, and I was busy jamming out to my Bluetooth speaker that I had placed on the dash since the car did not have an aux. I noticed the congestion, and I looked in my rearview mirror. I very stupidly did not look in my blind spot. I saw a semi-truck in my mirror and thought, yeah, I should have just enough room to get over, and went right ahead. It was in this moment that I knew I fucked up. Oh, no. All I remember is just feeling this immense pressure piled into my back door. The front of the truck hit my back passenger door. I started spinning and had my eyes open the entire time. My body went into pure shock mode. All I remember is making an O noise when it first hit and just being frozen while I was spinning across the highway. All I could see around me was just smoke and dust and a little bit of lights as I went on this wild spin. I still had my eyes open as my car flipped when it stopped spinning and went upside down right into a ditch on the side of the highway. Holy crap. That is terrifying absolutely terrifying i can't imagine what that would be like having your eyes open while you're flipping the shock of it all i've been lucky enough not to be in like a serious car accident or anything but you have those moments of just like 
fear or whatever you know like if you hydroplane or something and you yeah. see it almost happen mm-hmm. just to imagine like how surreal it must feel to be just spinning in a car yeah oh. I have been in a not like a crazy crazy car accident but my car was totaled I was t-boned like someone rammed into my driver's right, side right. door and my car was pushed off of the road and I jumped a curb and I like hit into someone's fence and God. and I mean I was if we're looking at it like this person's story I was just barely out of control and that was terrifying. Like I oh my was, gosh, I, bet. I was affected by that for a long time. I mean, not only was I in pain from being kind of hit by a car, but I was, I almost had a little bit of like, I was nervous to like get into anyone's car. PTSD, like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Whenever I would be in a car and like it would turn a little bit or I wasn't expecting a little bit of a jolt, I would get really anxious and like freaked out for a good uh, couple months afterward. Um, uh-huh. So I can't even imagine how this must have been because that's terrifying just knowing what I went through is I mean this is a nightmare absolutely as I was flipping my last thought was well this is it I am dying it was weirdly very calming and I wasn't emotional about it I just kind of felt like I was about to go to sleep miraculously when I landed I wasn't dead once I realized I wasn't dead and was alive in an upside down car with my head on the grass, I started having a Crap. panic attack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's an understatement. Oh, upside down car, head in the grass. And they're like having a panic attack. Yeah, I would expect yeah. nothing less. Yeah. If you yeah. weren't having a panic attack, I'd be like, um, that's weird. <laughs> you know? You're crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I looked to my left and there were several random strangers, about four or five, who had witnessed me spin and stopped to help. I couldn't find my door handle and started banging on my driver's side window in a panic. Instead of helping me out at first, the guy in the front kept yelling at me to turn my car off. I hadn't realized it was still somehow on while I was upside down in this car. You're kind of preoccupied. I think it's okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think it's okay you didn't realize. Oh, sorry. For some reason, I was distracted. For whatever reason, I just wasn't thinking about that. I somehow managed to collect myself just long enough to turn the car off, find my seatbelt, and release it as I fell onto my windshield. So she's like upside down, hanging. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I just imagined that. Yeah, being literally upside down in your car and you're like hanging by your seatbelt and then you unclick it and you fall to your windshield. I then felt for the door handle again and kicked at it while they pulled. They helped me out and asked if there was anyone else in the car. Through my panicked tears, I said it was just me. I was obviously having a panic attack and I sobbed into this complete stranger's arms. I didn't know this lady that had stopped to help, but I still think about her kindness to me to this day. During the accident, all of my belongings got flung and I couldn't find my purse. Thank God I remembered my ex's number because this lady also let me use her phone to call him to come pick me up off the side of the highway. The guy who had yelled at me to turn off my car got back into my flipped car and dug out some of the things that had gotten flung, which were a backpack and that stupid Bluetooth speaker, which was somehow still playing music. I was thankfully too traumatized to remember the song, which I think is good because that would have been forever ruined. Wow. God, that's haunting. No, seriously. But also imagining being in a flipped over car and you still have music blaring is Uh surreal to think about. I was thankful for this guy's help. But as I was visibly having a panic attack, this guy started lecturing me about how if I don't believe in God, I better believe in him now. It was really disheartening to get a religious lecture as a non-religious person while having an obvious panic attack. 
I also found my phone and called my grandparents sobbing, saying, I am so sorry for totaling the car they just got me in just one week. They were just grateful I was alive. The police and the ambulances came. I didn't have them run vitals on me or anything. I still had an adrenaline rush and didn't feel anything. I just wanted to go home. I ended up getting ticketed, and my insurance went up in the end because this was my fault. She got a ticket. A ticket for what? I mean, I know that yeah. like things went wrong there, whatever. Right. But but what was the ticket for? Could you imagine being that cop? The the cars flipped, and this person is having an obvious panic attack. They're sobbing. There's multiple people around, and you're like, I'm gonna write you a ticket. <laughs> like, if you were really really hurt, would they give you a ticket, or is there like a a clause that's like unless the person is not okay because that's like messed up that is that's really messed up i mean that's just rude if nothing else (laughs) it's rude yeah like can you just let this woman it was an accident can you let this person just go they're having a hard time i think they got their punishment like are you kidding exactly exactly like yeah i'm not gonna do it again (laughs) right i will definitely be looking when i'm driving on the highway again like jesus it was a stupid mistake that almost took my life my ex thought wow. yeah. My ex thought the solution after this was to take me to the store and buy me ice cream like I was a child. So that's where we went directly after the crash and then home. As you can tell, I wasn't very good at speaking up for myself then. He eventually motivated me enough to go to the hospital and get checked out later that night. I went in and got x-rays on my back just to be sure I didn't break anything. I was so sore. Luckily, they came back and nothing was wrong besides the crippling medical debt I then had from x-rays. My manager... No, this is so a, sorry. No, that's a, this is a really bad day. Um, <sighs> my manager from work had driven by the crash and called, so worried about me, and I got the next few days off of work. I had to pay hundreds to get my car out of impound and got paid $200 for the scrap metal, and I watched it get crushed afterwards. That's... <gasps> This is a nightmare. I am now 24, and ever since this incident, I have been so grateful to be alive. After the crash, I did end up moving back to Michigan, and it's where I've been since. My ex came with me, and I had a pretty awful restart back in Michigan, but at least I was in my home state. I am a firm believer that everything happens in life for a reason. I have opened my eyes since this, and am a very cautious driver. If I would have died that day, I would have never met my amazing fiancé that I met in 2021, my cats, and the friends I have now. I know my story wasn't meant to end there. I am so grateful for the people that stopped that day and helped me, and that I chose a car model that tends to be tough as nails. I now see life in a new light and love to shock people by saying, I got hit by a truck once, when in reality it was kind of me hitting the truck, lol. (laughs) Thank you for doing what you guys do. You guys are awesome. And Steph, thank you for your service as a go-kart attender i don't exactly know what that means but thank you that is so sweet (laughs) keep on keeping on and just keep breathing yeah (laughs) a go-kart attender what did i when did i go-kart i don't know anyway thank you for writing in (laughs) this is a really insane story i'm so sorry that happened to you yeah oh my god very long ago either no like 2020 (laughs) that's like recent crazy i wonder what kind of ice cream they got yeah yeah after that yeah how do you how do you fix that with ice cream (laughs) life is so beautiful and strange though i'm so happy that you've got great friends and a great life now and that you feel grateful of course that your your story didn't end there because yes um it was not meant to end there that is so what a surreal experience i can't stop thinking about the head on the grass like just the feelings of all that are like hitting the windshield oh god that's so scary 
yeah, like broken glass and and just just thinking back to my car accident that I mentioned, the sound oh, head on the glass, head on the glass. Yeah, is that right? I said grass. I thought you said grass. Oh no, I did say grass in the oh, story, okay. but I was picturing the windshield being like shattered. So oh, grass uh-huh. and glass, if you will. Okay, um, grass and glass. Yeah, scary. That's even worse. I know. But what I was saying was this, just the sound of yeah. my car accident was mm. enough. But I can't even begin to imagine what that would have sounded like if I was rolling and then fell on top of, or upside down, rather. Yeah. That story is really a story about how scary capitalism is because <laughs> so there true. were so many consequences. You're like, oh, thank God I'm alive. And then it's like, boom, ticket, boom. Yeah. Uh, hospital costs, boom. No longer having a car. Yeah. Here's $200. And you can watch it get crushed. Yeah. (laughs) Your manager drove by. Damn. Yeah. So true. Glad you were well. Absolutely. Always. Um, All right. With that being said, why don't we move on to story number three? Let's do it. Let's do it. This story is from Kim. Hello, Kim. Thank you for writing in. Hey, love the podcast i listen to the incredible stories each week and think nothing risky has ever happened to me until i made that comment to a friend are you crazy she said what about the time dot 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 so this is that story (laughs) very very good intro yeah it was a hot summer day just after the end of my junior year in college i decided to go to the beach with my boyfriend at the time to spend the day swimming and making elaborate sandcastles In New England, the ocean is always cold, no matter how hot the summer gets. It's not like a lake or a cold pool. You can't wade in slowly and let your body get used to it because big waves keep splashing, freezing water on you. My practice at the ocean has always been to dive into a big wave right when I get in. It's shocking and cold, but you get used to it quickly and can enjoy swimming after that. That's a pro move. On this I per- love swimming in the ocean, and I hope that this story isn't something that will make me not want to do it. Um, but go on. It's <laughs> Well, maybe you just will be aware to not do what they do. Okay. All right. Yeah. On this particular day, I went out into the water and saw my wave coming. Without letting myself hesitate, I dove right in, as I had done dozens of times before. But this day, it all went wrong. I had drastically miscalculated. The ocean depth is incredibly deceptive when huge waves are rolling in. During quote-unquote mid-tide, the waves can look substantial, but there's actually not much water beneath them. I hit the bottom hard. Essentially, I had just jumped straight onto my head. Oh. That's really scary. You would think that the sand makes a soft cushion, but I Uh promise you, it does not. I, I stood up feeling dazed. I remember saying to the waves, just give me one second. I need a second. Stop. Stop. Oh my God. That's so sad. (laughs) Talking talking to the ocean. Guys, guys, this isn't funny anymore. This isn't funny. Can you actually just stop for a sec? Hang on. Hang on, please. I just need a moment. One second. Fortunately, my boyfriend noticed something was wrong and helped me to the shore. I had laid on the sand for hours as pain radiated through my neck and head. Have you ever swam in the ocean and been like tumbled by a wave? Yeah. Where you just get really disoriented and pummeled. Totally. And you're just like way too much water. Oh my God. And you're throwing you around. You don't know if you're going to get out. Yep. You don't know which way's up. Like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. that's this, but also you have a concussion. (laughs) Yeah. And then mixed with if when you accidentally hit your head way too hard on something and you're like, uh, yeah. Oh my God. That seems bad. And also, 
like you're told so many times growing up and just in your adult life like don't dive into shallow water so like that's the mm. added stress of knowing i just landed on my head yeah after yeah, i yeah. dove into nothing oh that's terrifying now you would think i would go to the doctor at this point however i did not i was oh. still on my dad's health insurance back then and the closest doctor was two hours away now i know that i could have gone to the emergency room but i didn't know that at the time i called my older sister for advice she told me that if I was feeling better the next morning, I probably didn't need to go to the doctor. We failed to define the term, quote unquote, what? feeling better, which to my sister meant that all the pain was gone. The next morning, I could turn my head about an inch without screaming, which was better than the day before, <gasps> I thought. Oh I, my gosh. I guess it's a little better. So I went to work. Without, sorry, without screaming? Yeah, that's really, like, that's violent. Like... <laughs> I, it's like if I turned my head the wrong way, I would scream. I would screech at the top of my lungs. I would be squealing. Yeah, squealing in pain, throbbing, awful. Um, also, an inch is not far. No. Like, that is very much not far. No, that I feel like <laughs> feeling better. How bad must they have felt the day before for that to be oh, an improvement? Seriously, okay, better than that. Yeah. I am so sorry for you. That is awful i i will say i thought the only thing if, if anything the one thing i've been told from childhood is like if you hit your head really hard don't be going to sleep without no. checking that out yeah so true yeah so that's, glad that that's a really go. good point that is i'm glad nothing came of that jesus so five years later the pain had eventually reduced but my neck was never really right after that it took five years ah. for the pain to reduce yeah uh, okay. After five years, I started having problems that I knew were related. I developed a lot of pain in my shoulder and down my arm. Any kind this of weight sucks. on my shoulder was unbearable. Even a winter coat. The weight mama. of a winter <laughs> coat. Mama. <laughs> mama, please. Mama, mama, mama. Mama, no. I am so sorry. This, this is terrifying. Yeah. The I pain just slowly creeping down your arm. Literally. I know that like winter jackets, if they're like, you know, down, whatever, feather, I don't know the terminology that's correct. But like, I know they can be kind of heavy, but at the end of the day, it's a coat. It's not like- It's a coat. It's not weights. <laughs> like, And guess what you got to do in winter? You got to wear a coat. Wear it. You got to wear it. So the whole half of the year, you're just in pain putting on your coat. Oh my God. No. That's so awful. The pain made driving more and more difficult until I couldn't stand it anymore. That sounds like torture. I finally went to the doctor. I did a lot of PT and other useless stuff until I got x-rays and an MRI which showed the damage in my neck from the diving accident. There was evidence of a fracture in one of the vertebrae which had healed and I crushed a disc. That is <gasps> painful. Oh. Speaking as someone who has chronic back pain, I am so sorry. Oh my god. The crushed? neurosurgeon, yeah, crushed. You don't want to hear that anything got crushed. Yeah, no part of you should be crushed at any point. <laughs> That's awful. The neurosurgeon informed me that I was extremely lucky that I hadn't died or become quadriplegic the day of the accident. Oh my God. Yeah. The herniated disc was squishing some nerves, which was causing all the severe pain in my shoulder and arm. I had spine surgery to remove the disc and, and fuse the vertebrae with a bone cage, Fun fact, they put cadaver bones in the bone cage. 
Whoa. Whoa. Dead man's bones. You got fresh bones. Yeah. Fresh or used? Slightly used, used. bones. <laughs> Borrowed bones. <laughs> Borrowed yeah. bones. But I, I have heard about the bone cage. My doctor who was telling me about my back problems was like, hey, you might have to get a bone cage in your back at some point. And I was like, oh, cool. Step <laughs> in the bone cage. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I, love. I always wanted a bone cage. Yes, I love, put my bones in a cage. They've been bad. Um, <laughs> so yeah you're gonna put my bones in a cage doctor <laughs> they've been bad hmm? yeah just a little cage Lock them for, up. My, for my spine <laughs> um yeah that that's a nightmare yeah your spine has been bad by the way yeah no i can say confidently my spine's been pretty bad <laughs> i know this for a fact lock her up yeah. <laughs> um so they put cadaver bones in the bone cage with a growth hormone which makes it eventually fuse together with bone Okay, we love fusing bone together. Okay, um, bone. Okay, bone. Okay, fuse. <laughs> okay, bone. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had waited so long for treatment that the disc had actually worn a hole in my spinal column. I don't even uh, know what that means. When the surgeon removed the disc, a bunch of spinal fluid escaped, but he was uh, able to patch it. Catch it. Oh, God, it escaped. <laughs> Put it back. Put it back. Crushed. Spinal hole escaped spinal all things you don't want anything no you don't want any of this to happen this is so bad i felt shockingly good after the surgery yeah i bet honey yeah (laughs) that's not shocking to me the pain in my shoulder and arm was gone like a light switch had been flipped off i was discharged that night i know that i mean oh my god back pain and neck and shoulder pain is no joke so i was i was discharged that night I wish I had stayed. In the middle of the night, I realized something was terribly wrong. I began vomiting, which felt awesome after spine surgery, and my head felt like it was going to explode. The spinal fluid that had rushed out during the surgery caused a spinal headache. If you've ever had one, then you know. It's not like any normal headache. It comes with nausea, vertigo, extreme pain, and it's generally incapacitating. I had no Um, idea what a spinal headache was or that I had one. You're supposed to drink a lot of fluids and caffeine, but I didn't know that either. Fluids and caffeine. Interesting. It's kind of like a migraine, I guess. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, not not really, but it's the same sort of remedy. Do you drink caffeine for a migraine? Yeah, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's like the blood vessels opening things or something. I don't know. Interesting. I'd never heard that. That's one of the things. Interesting. Then my air conditioner broke. Girl. And it was a hundred degrees out. This is that's someone put a spell on you or something. That's this is yeah. This is the definition of cursed. Yeah, there's curses at play. Oh my god! Fortunately, the management company felt bad for me and put a new air conditioning unit in pretty quickly. On the fourth day oh after god, the surgery, seriously, on the fourth day after the surgery, I decided I had to force myself to start drinking fluids in spite of all the vomiting, or else I might really die. This was motivated by the gross color of my pee. Oh, okay. That's, yeah, I mean, that that's an indicator. It'll let you know. Definitely. Definitely. Gatorade to the rescue. Drinking lots of fluids finally caused the spinal headache to subside a couple days later. After that, things were better, and my neck healed okay without leaving much of a scar. Another fun fact, the surgery is performed through the front of the neck because there are too many muscles in the back, so I wouldn't have been able to hide a bad scar. You can at uh. least make up some cool story about you know some fake story about your neck scars that is i guess you don't even have to make up a fake story your your story is interesting enough (laughs) i 
the fact that that is very interesting that they go through the front makes sense because it's kind of just empty in there versus mm-hmm. like all the thick muscles and whatever. But I hate that. I, I also <laughs> hate that. If I'm remembering correctly, the, the spine surgeries that my doctor was talking about at one point also had to go through the front. So wow. that. again, it, <laughs> it makes sense if I think because like there's so much muscle. But yeah. Also, Ooh. I'm fine. I'm not getting spine surgery just to... I was just talking to a doctor about my back because, you know, chronic pain. Um, but I'm not getting surgery. Anyway, what? You know, chronic pain. Everybody has it. Everybody has it. Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Um, some of us do. Some of us don't. Anyway, I still have I still have some back and neck problems, but the surgery helped a lot, which I'm very happy to hear. I certainly never classified this as a survivor story, but it was a shit show from beginning to end. All in all, I am grateful and fortunate that I did not die that day and be- or become quadriplegic. Diving is overrated. Unless you're in scuba gear, don't do it in the ocean. In fact, don't do it anywhere. Ever. Thanks for all the great stories about horrible things that usually turn out all right. Kim. Um, Kim, I just want to say this is absolutely a survivor story. Absolutely. Yes! <laughs> I think uh, we've told many survivor stories and I would definitely classify yours as a survivor story. Um, and so would your doctor. Your doctor was like, I'm surprised you didn't yeah. die. AKA, you survived. You survived. Yeah. So glad that you're feeling better and that things are better. Yeah. I mean, saying that that surgery like basically flipped a switch on your pain. I, I mean, yeah. that, that relief must have been unmatched. That's awful. Um, I'm so sorry about all of this. I hope you still get to enjoy the beach. Yeah. And I think everybody, you know, just go to the doctor when something feels wrong. Yes. I think that's a good thing to say. Yeah, I think that's good. Now, it's tough because, again, it cost $2 million. Yeah, <laughs> approximately $2 million. Approximately. And so I get life it. Life is a nightmare. So I, yeah, I, again, also yeah. understand not going. Uh, yeah. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your story. Uh, all right. Let's move on to story number four. Um, Before we jump in, I did want to give a quick trigger warning for domestic abuse. My name is Sydney, and at 19 years old, I survived an abusive relationship which ended in him trying to kill me. Oh my gosh. To start, after having gone through this experience slash relationship, I hope to spread the word that regardless of tax bracket, family dynamics, and whatever other social statuses out there exists, abuse can happen to anyone. Mm. Even though you're considered an adult, whatever the hell that means, at 18 years of age, you're honestly still a baby. When I met Travis at 19 years old, I really hadn't dated a lot of people, so I didn't have a good understanding of what a good, healthy relationship looked like. Growing up in a very small and conservative town, I had drilled it into my head to respect the patriarchy and that women were supposed to be led by men. Seeing how I now own a shirt that says, on Wednesdays we smash the patriarchy, I can gratefully say I no longer align with any of those ideals. Yeah. So glad to hear that. Snaps. So glad to hear that. All around. Women are just as valued, smart, leadership-oriented, and respected as men. Anywho, I still think our relationship started out good. He was kind of doting and made time to see me. The first red flag came when, a few months in, he told me that he had cheated with another girl. I was devastated. Come to find out, this asshole didn't actually cheat. It was just a quote-unquote test to see how I would react so he could determine if he could keep me. Ooh. That's terrible. Granted, I didn't find this out for a long time after, but, like, who the fuck does that? I agree. I mean, you couldn't have a redder flag. Yeah, that's really 
controlling uh, controlling and that's very extreme behavior absolutely as well yeah I don't remember how, but somehow he weaseled himself back into my life, and it was almost as if nothing had happened. When I moved away with him, the first signs of abuse started, but they started in such a slow way that I couldn't identify if, if it was actually him or me. He made me feel bad, and like things were my fault. You could say he was the OG gaslighter. It started with what I call the silent treatment. He would get annoyed or mad and go silent for hours, usually laying on the ground with his arms crossed and eyes shut. I would say, hey, what's wrong? What's going on? With no reply. That's when I would start to believe that it was something I did, unknowingly, so naturally, I would apologize. I was so confused during one silent treatment that I tried to lay next to him, and he pushed me so hard that I hit my head on the bed frame, breaking my skin. Oh. I was so confused by his ability to hurt me, and instead of apologizing, he would say, look what you made me do. That's a nightmare. I'm so sorry. I felt trapped. My parents were not supportive of my relationship, so they rarely spoke to me. I moved away with this man. I had no friends in this new place, and I honestly didn't think I had any other choice but to stay. The silent treatments turned into regular occurrences that started to end in him pushing me against any wall with his hands around my neck until I passed out. As I laid there, gasping for air on the floor and waiting for my vision to come back, my heart broke as I saw what little empathy this man had decreased to point of non-existence. It got to the point where he accused me of cheating with everyone we saw and passed. He would say, uh. when that guy walked past us, you let go of my hand. Are you sleeping with him too? Events oh like God. this would turn into him calling me a whore, a slut, a piece of shit, and so many other things. I became so paranoid of what I wore or didn't wear. If my car seat was in a different position because he would accuse me of having other men sit in the seat, what I ate, who I made eye contact with, literally everything. I give these small details as some background for his utter insanity. Travis had recently been kicked out of his sister's house for hitting her in the face and breaking her lip. When... Whoa. That is, I mean, this man is a monster. When we went over there to apologize to her. We? Yeah, yes, we. Because again, it was me that made him do that. <gasps> Insert eye roll oh. here. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I, I don't know how this man convinced. I mean, the mental yeah. gymnastics there is is astounding. Of course. And a, I'm, a, I believe. Users like this yeah. are so effective because it's literally his entire focus. Yes. And that, like this stuff works which is why it's called abuse yeah <laughs> yeah and they've and they've made you like question everything for so long that it's just second totally, nature totally totally i mean to call this man a terrible person is an understatement absolutely when we went over there to apologize to her something set him off he grabbed my keys and bolted for my car obviously i wasn't going to let this maniac steal my car so i jumped in the front passenger seat as he started to back up he began to drive erratically, intentionally swerving to try to hit other cars to scare me. He was yelling so many things so fast, I can't remember what was said. I grabbed the phone to call 911, but he took it from me and threw it somewhere in the back seat. At this point, I was absolutely terrified and ugly crying, like Kim Kardashian ugly cry, and begging him to pull over. He could have my car. I just wanted out and away from him. Travis told me, you want out? Here you go as he reached over me and opened my passenger car door while driving 60 miles an hour and tried to push me out. I screamed at him to please stop and was able to get the door closed. He yelled at me to stop crying, but I literally could not stop crying. 
This resulted in him punching me in the face over and over again at each red light because, again, this was my fault. I'm honestly speechless. That's awful. Yeah, that is so, 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 so scary. He started driving up more hills to higher ground and said he was going to drop himself off at his friends. Okay, I said, as I started to pray this would be over. Please, God, please save me, was the only thing running through my mind. When Travis missed the turn for his friend's house, I said, wait, that was the turn. Then I realized he was headed up a hill that was undeveloped and led straight to a cliff and a huge drop off. (gasps) Still driving insanely fast through this residential area, Travis turned to me and said, I hope you told your family you love them. You'll never see them again. My God. The fear. Oh my God. The ugly tears came back full force as I saw the speedometer climb higher and higher, reaching over 80 miles per hour. I resigned myself to death. As I took a deep breath in, preparing to literally roll off a cliff, I heard a voice say, open the door. At first I thought, hi, no. But I heard the voice again say, open the door. Almost as if I watched myself detach from my body, I saw my arm reach for the door and open it. I have no logical explanation for what happened next. I'm not religious, but I know that what happened next could only be an act of angels and slash or God. After I opened the door, I felt myself be physically lifted and placed on the ground. I saw a group of people appear at the cliff's edge that were not there before and stop my car. Whoa. Whoa. I feel like there are so many people who have said similar things, mostly in car accident situations where they get into a really terrifying car accident, kind of like the story we told earlier. And they say like, oh, there was a person with me the whole time waiting for the ambulance. And then once the ambulance was there, you know, they were holding my hand and whatever. And then I asked the first responder like, oh, where did that woman go? And then they're like, there was no woman. Whoa. Yeah, I've heard that a bunch. And I don't know, maybe it's your mind like helping you through this Mm -hmm. insanely traumatic situation. And it's just like a coping mechanism or it's something that we can't explain yeah. and i don't really know either way that's incredible that like that this incredible. out of body experience happened mm-hmm. and you were able to like get out of the car mm-hmm. i saw a group of people appear at the cliff's edge that were not there before and stop my car with travis still behind the wheel i instantaneously felt an enormous feeling of hey everything is going to be okay I knew that whatever had just happened was because it wasn't my time yet, and I deserved so much more. Travis jumped out of the car and ran over to me yelling his apologies and that he wasn't going to, quote-unquote, actually kill me. He was just mad. Uh, Okay. Oh, that's so nice. Literally gaslighting you in, like, the craziest moment. Of course Mm -hmm. he would, but, Mm -hmm. like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't going to actually kill you. I was just driving full speed at a cliff. That's what boyfriends do. They tell you that. They tell you they're going to kill you, and then, you know, if they really love you, they don't. Oh my god. The mental gymnastics. Truly. Mm -hmm. Really sick. Yeah, she said, okay, bro. I don't remember how I got home. (laughs) Yeah, literally. I don't know how I got home that night, but I do remember having a renewed sense of self-care and love. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because you protected yourself. Whoever was talking to you, it was also, it was you talking to you. Absolutely. Because you cared about yourself, and in that moment you said, you know what? I deserve more than this, and I am going to protect myself from here on out. Mm-hmm. And that's that's huge. I mean, that's like a, like a light switch kind of turning on situation mm-hmm. because 
before this, n- that was not the case so much, you know? Yeah, of course. You were trapped by this person yeah. who was abusing you, and I'm yes. so, so sorry. Yes, and again, not your fault. None of this was no. your fault. Mm-mm. Oh, my Mm-mm. God. I called my parents, and they drove down the next morning. We changed my phone number, broke my lease, moved all of my stuff home, and I started living as if each day could truly be my last. Most importantly, I cut that motherfucker out of my life for good. Hell yes. And we love to hear it. Yes, Sydney. I know I'm making the sound as if everything went smoothly after that night, but believe me, it took months before I could go to the store by myself, feel like I had permission to move my car seat to a position I wanted, wear my own clothes, and even wear makeup again. That's not crazy at all. That is completely understandable. Mm-hmm. I've spent years in therapy for PTSD and anxiety. I have physical scars that I have to see every day and be reminded of the worst 18 months of my life. I can't say that I'm grateful for this experience because honestly, who would be? I can say that I've decided to use this experience to become a greater advocate for myself and my boundaries, which I think is pretty positive. I met an amazing man years later who comes to every therapy appointment with me and who takes the time to help me on the days where I feel shame and embarrassment of this experience crippling me. So for all of those out there, don't forget that you are cherished, loved, and valued. Don't hold on to the shame and guilt that inevitably you will feel. Take those feelings as a reminder that you survived. Sydney. Wow. That's huge. Oh my gosh. Such an important message. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing. Absolutely. This incredibly intense and very upsetting story. Yes. For, intense. For you. I'm so sorry. Intimate close to home obviously but mm-hmm. like thank you so much for being brave enough to share your experience and hopefully help someone else out there because i mean yeah that's what spreading stories does is it it helps other people who are potentially in dangerous situations either recognize that they're, that they're in a dangerous situation or have the strength to leave a situation they know is dangerous absolutely because when there is one person who is set on confusing you mm-hmm. and hurting you and they're the only person you're spending time around because they have made it that way it is very very hard to see reality absolutely and, and understand that that's happening you know like obviously not your fault at all and so no. important for people to hear what it looks like yeah hear the details because once you're away from it you're able to go oh my god that person was a monster yes truly so happy you got out Mm -hmm. yeah when you're in it you know those feelings of oh i can't wear this outfit i can't wear Mm -hmm. this makeup i can't move my car seat that's all so normalized because it's your day-to-day that you can't even see how terrible it is and of course when you're a good person you can't imagine abusing somebody like that so it's hard for you to imagine that you're being abused because you're like who would do that (laughs) yeah that's such a good point (laughs) because you're a good person with right actual reasonable thoughts so yeah anyway so happy you're free so happy you love yourself so happy that you now also are destroying the patriarchy at least once a week yes on wednesdays (laughs) thank you sydney um once again all right on to story number five this will be our last story um and i've got a bit of a spooky one to end us off yeah because uh we're getting into fall vibes fall is coming and it's about to be time i'm to commit to the bit so excited for fall i cannot even spread uh express stress i was gonna say express. i can't express i can't express enough i was gonna say express and stress at the same time that's what mm-hmm. happened um but oh i'm so i'm so ready 
uh, for and you're no longer stories. in seasonless Los Angeles. You're now in Michigan. You're gonna have real leaves. I mama. am. I am. I'm. Go- I already started to see yellow leaves happening, and it's it's the beginning oh. of September. Oh, and it's warm, and I get yellow leaves. Spoil me. Spoil me. Why don't you? Uh, um, Michigan. Okay, girl. Michigan. Slay. Okay, Great Lakes. <laughs> okay, pure Michigan. All right, on to number five. This is from Anonymous, uh, and they titled it A Haunting in Reno, Nevada. Spooky. Good day to you all. I love your podcast, and it is very interesting to hear your perspective on so many of these cases you cover. You asked for some listener stories, so here you go. I will change a few names to protect the innocent. Thank you, Anonymous. Okay. Quite the intro. Thank you. I will give you a little background on myself because it's relevant to the story later. I must admit to being a little paranoid after growing up near South Oakland, California in the 1980s. As a kid, I was jumped for my bike, had guns pulled on me, knives, box cutters, and constantly kept my head on a swivel to avoid danger. My dad warned me to never wear my headphones in public because you need to be aware of your surroundings. Of course, I didn't listen and on one day while on our version of the subway, known as the Bay Area Rapid Transit train, near the Oakland Coliseum, two guys began running in and out of the train car, one trying to stab the other with a hunting knife, like a couple Ooh. of cartoon characters. Uh, <laughs> That's what they said? Yes. Quite, quite the scene. Gee, I mean, that Dang. truly is like in a, something you'd see in a cartoon, people running in and out yeah. of a train car with a hunting knife? Yeah. Oh That's my crazy. God. Luckily, the guy with the knife ended up outside when the train car's automatic doors closed and we pulled away from the station. I will listen to music, but only in one ear to this day. I moved from that environment to the military as a carrier where my senses were honed again to be always aware of my surroundings. So that was just the background. And now we move on to the story. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. It's a warm summer night in the suburb within the biggest little city of Reno, Nevada in 2016. My wife and I found a very good deal on a newish development built around 2006 during the housing crisis and moved in around 2011. Just a common middle-class neighborhood with working-class people. My wife and I decided to begin foster care and help some children in need. We were almost finished with our classes and inspections to begin to take in children. We had just bought a puppy and I was housebreaking her, so I was outside every few hours. Normally, I would have taken her to the backyard for her training, but we just had a patio in the side yard cement path poured, so no access to the yard was possible, unless you jumped out the window. The neighborhood was relatively safe, so taking the dog out around 3 a.m. was not super scary, but I was on more of a defensive mindset because anything can happen anywhere, especially around 3 a.m. So I will state for the record, I have traveled all over the world and have never had any form of paranormal experience and have had none since, but I do love a scary movie and a good Dean Koontz book. So here I am with my tiny five pound black pug on a tiny leash roaming around Mm -hmm. our small front lawn, about 18 to 25 feet saying, do your business in a gentle tone. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. Do your business. (laughs) This is when I get that age-old caveman feeling of being watched. It wasn't a sense of dread or a need to hide, but just that creepy feeling all of us get every now and then. I scanned the street the whole time. We had a street light right outside the house, plus all my porch lights were on. Nothing was moving as far as I could see in the dark. I began looking around at windows for lights or movement. This is when I looked up at my neighbor's house across the street and see someone looking directly at me from out the second floor window. 
The house across the street had three tall and slim windows directly over the front door, and in the far left window, I saw a boy staring at me. I know the family well. We were friendly and chatted all the time, but were not close enough to have barbecues or anything. I had never seen this boy before that night. He was Caucasian with dark hair. I could see him from mid-chest up, and he appeared to be wearing a light-in-color long-sleeve shirt. I made direct eye contact with him for a moment, but the lighting was not direct, so I couldn't make out any other details about him. He looked about 10 or 11 years old, so I thought it was odd for him to be getting up around 3 a.m., but it's possible he heard me telling my dog to poop, so I didn't think much more about it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I kept scanning the windows as my puppy continued to sniff and do her business. He just stood in that window for about five minutes, and my pug was almost done. I was picking up her poop with a plastic grocery sack and feeling very creeped out that the kid was still looking at me. Weird. Yeah. When I stood up, I saw the boy's profile turn and walk from the window on the far left, past the center, and then the right window, and then he was gone. That's a lengthy experience, and we're going to talk more about that, but that's very lengthy. Yeah. I pulled my puppy's leash, signaling her to come to the front door and in the house back to her sleeping kennel. The next morning, I was going about my day and opened the garage to see my neighbor from across the street, Susie, with her twin daughters in their front yard, watering flowers. As soon as she sees me, she begins to walk across the street with a smile on her face and says hello. Now, this is where I pause for a moment and drop a five-foot stack of Bibles from every denomination, place my left hand on them, raise my right hand, and swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. (laughs) Okay. I think they're telling the truth. She said, and I quote, as if this were yesterday, hey, do you have any paranormal activity at your house? Uh, Now, according to Susie, my face went white as the blood drained from it and my jaw hit the floor. I think I even stammered at first when I reported to her no, but I saw something unusual at your house the night before. I explained the story of my pug training and the boy staring at me. She literally smiled and said, oh yeah, we have seen him around our house. (laughs) What? Bro. Bro, what? (laughs) Sorry, what? She's like, oh yeah, him, we see him. (laughs) Um. Oh, yeah. Why did she come up and say that? He's just our ghost. I guess because they're having paranormal experiences in their house. And she's uh, like, hmm, do you have any or is it just mine? Anyway, I'll keep going. So they said, so I'm still in shock. And she said, follow me. So I follow her across the street to her front door. She is still jovial and thinks this is funny when she opens the front door to her house. I have never been inside her house. Her floor plan has five bedrooms and mine has four bedrooms, so I have no idea what it looks like inside. To my absolute surprise, under the three windows I described is air. No walkway, no hallway, nothing. No. The windows are a transit for light only. They don't open and are designed to allow extra natural light into the foyer of the house. There was nothing anyone could stand on to look out that window without a ladder and nothing to walk across. Um, And there was a boy standing in the window and then walked across the windows. So even if she had been like pulling his leg Uh about there was like actually like a cousin over or something, they couldn't have been in the window. No. Um, No. Unless they had a ladder. But then they were like, oh, yeah, this ghost walked across 
the windows, which yeah. wouldn't make any sense with a ladder. So yeah. Also, who would pull up a ladder at three a.m.? Exactly. Mean, unless, they were really- unless they were really trying to do some pranks, but it doesn't seem like yeah. that was the case. The case. Susie is just tickled pink to see the shock on my face, and I was completely the- gobsmacked. I mean, yeah, if you're Susie, you're like. This is hysterical because I love how proud Susie is. It's like, yeah, I have a ghost in yeah. my house. I yeah, I have don't him. have any. I'm a little jealous of my ghost. I have a ghost. <laughs> and then this person is like, oh, yeah, I saw the boy standing in your front window on the second floor. And she's like, oh, wait. Oh, honey. You're about to see something crazy. <laughs> oh, honey, I know that boy. And uh, you're never going to believe what my house looks like from the inside. I know that boy and I know that window. And there's nothing there, bitch. <laughs> Susie described a multitude of paranormal experiences she has had with this and other ghosts in her home. There's more. She said they were very active last night for some reason, and all her children and her husband, who was a pastor at a local house of worship, had experienced them. I would have thought this to be a joke had I not seen what I saw the previous night. It continued to be a bit of a joke between us until we sold the house a few years ago and lost touch with them except for the occasional hello online. She loves to tell the story of how shocked I was and how she and her family had normal, quote unquote, contact with the ghosts in her house. I went into her house. I went into her house a few times after that and did not see any spirits or specters. I still had to go out front with my pug until the cement dried completely and never felt watched again. But I must admit, I keep an eye on those windows. I kept an eye on those windows. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, how could you not just immediately look up at those windows every single time? That is. Wow. Creepy. (laughs) Very creepy. To just. I I really. I see what you mean. Like, it really was a lengthy interaction. It wasn't just like, oh, for a second, I thought I saw a a boy. It was like, I watched the boy. I was confused about the boy and I saw the boy walk across. Yeah. I mean, see the boy and then you're like uncomfortable about the fact that this random boy is still watching you. Like, you have that thought. You're like, hmm, that's weird that he's still standing there. And then you watch him walk, 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 walk along the three windows so that's like a an experience like i've never heard before like i'm i'm obsessed with this goofy neighbor also me too like yeah yeah you ever had paranormal activities because we do Mm because we do and we have a lot of them oh yeah no Susie. Susie was really excited about that (laughs) yeah okay Susie, you freak Susie, a bit of a Go freak. off, Susie. Yeah. To the best of my knowledge, that house was not built on an ancient burial mound or a cemetery where they moved the headstones and left the bodies. Sorry, I had to toss in a few references to Amityville and Poltergeist for good measure. Understandable. Remember to pay attention to that little voice that says you're being watched and for God's sake, use only one headphone in public. I can assure you from personal experience, this advice will help you keep breathing. Yeah. Warmest regards. Whoa anonymous <laughs> thank you anonymous thank you for that spooky spooky story oh god that was the perfect way to close up that is horrifying and and yeah i mean the headphones thing is also like do we forget yeah. that at the beginning of Just the story side note they watch someone be chased with a hunting knife around a train <laughs> like and that's not even the meat of the story I'm picturing it like what those like cuckoo clocks or they also have this at the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Yeah. In, uh, Disneyland where there's like the the wife chasing with the with the butcher knife or whatever or like a yeah, or oh no like no the rolling pin. Rolling pin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like on a track. They're just running in yeah. and out of the train. Yeah, I'm picturing it like that. That's I that's ah! kind of it seems like that's what it was. 
Oh my God. Well, wow, that's wow, fun. wow. I did want to say to everyone listening, if you have any spooky stories, any ghost stories, anything like that, like maybe an alien sighting, something like that. <gasps> if you have anything like that, send your story in to knowtodaypodcast.gmail.com because I really want to do a Halloween listeners episode. I would love to do Ooh, that. Yeah. And I want to know all your spooky stories because they're fun. I love that shit. Yeah. Steph is a spooky gal. I am a spooky. I come from a spooky family. I am a spooky gal myself. And I want to I want to know about your ooky. I'm ooky and spooky and I want to know about your ooky spooky lives if you could. Anyway, that is our listeners episode. Those are all of our stories. Wow. This was fantastic. I I laughed. I almost cried. Yeah, seriously. I I cringed. Mhm. I felt grateful. Uh-huh. I felt sad. I felt horrified. Yes. I felt spooked. Thank you everybody for sharing and for so for true. being brave, for being aware for surviving yes yeah for being aware and for still being here yeah wow that was great yeah i i agree with all of that thank you for inviting me back to your lovely show i had a great time oh my gosh thank you so much for being here it is truly always a pleasure and you're always welcome back for those of you who don't remember from last time sienna was on the podcast or if this is your first time hearing sienna on the podcast she also has a podcast i do Um, it's a movie podcast it is a comedy podcast it's for if you don't want to watch old classic films we're watching them for you we give a frank analysis sort of an anti-intellectual movie podcast so if you think i don't really want to watch those movies but i'd like to hear some funny ladies talk about it it's the it's the podcast for you. It is at Tossed Popcorn. Well, it's called Tossed Popcorn. Mm-hmm. On Instagram, it's at Tossed Popcorn. And you can follow me at Sienna Jekyll. Absolutely. Like. Please do. I, frankly, love listening to funny ladies talk. Oh. It's my favorite pastime, honestly. Yeah, me too. I do it almost constantly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Anytime I can, I do that. Um, yeah. Well, that was so much fun. Again, thank you so much for being here. Of course. I hope to be back at another future time i hope you are as well (laughs) um what is your good thing (gasps) oh my gosh such an exciting question did we do this last time we did this is so exciting oh we did okay yes but you were just as excited last time and i love it (laughs) i'm like oh my gosh it's my first time oh my gosh me my good thing (laughs) my good thing okay my good thing is that right before this i made a delectable delicious little treat which was, it's one of those things where like, it was using the rest of what's in my fridge and I just made it work, mama. I, I made it work, that. bitch. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it was applesauce. So I was telling Steph the other day, when once fall rolls around, I love to make a little like, to cook up some apples mm-hmm. here and there and make either a sauce or some like cooked or baked apples. But I had some apples sitting around and then I had some plums that I needed to use up. And I said, ooh, this would be perfect sugar to add to a little apple compote situation. Yes. Sauce is what it should be. But it ended up becoming a very tart like sauce, almost compote. And I put it in a little bowl and then I added some oats and brown sugar and some, get this, sour cream. I was shocked by that. When you said sour cream, I was gobsmacked. Gobsmacked. Aghast. Well, you know, instead of smacking that gob, you need to put some of this... In your gob. In your gob. <laughs> Leave that gob open for some of this, even though I ate it all. Right. But yeah, they have sour cream apple pie, so I thought oh. maybe... And I should also express, there's lots of butter in this. I sure. put a lot of uh, maple syrup. Just delicious. Sure. Would recommend making a tart applesauce with some sour cream on it. It was mwah, and mwah. I, I guess, mwah, mwah, you might say. Um, I guess putting enough brown sugar on anything would make Mm. it delectable 
absolutely delish and this fruit was so good and i gobbled it right up oh i love and that then i came here so that's my good thing at this moment that's amazing um we were chatting about applesauce earlier and i will let you know that i had two applesauce pouches after our conversation so you did not i did are you kidding i did i almost are you kidding i meant to text you a picture and then i did not anyway um <laughs> love that well what's your good thing my good thing is that we recently watched the corpse bride oh <gasps> yeah and uh like i said i am very much looking forward to fall and the spooky times and whatever and i think that was a very perfect way to start us off with to kick it off to kick off the spooky Gently, season subtly yeah, that was a very fun watch. It was fun. I, I always love The Corpse Bride, and I haven't seen it in so long. Um, but those those songs, they bang. They do. They do. And I and I love a Tim Burton, a Johnny Depp mm-hmm. situation uh, with mm-hmm. Helen Bonham Carter. I don't know if that's controversial to say anymore, but hey, he was my childhood crush. And uh-huh. that's what I associate Johnny Depp uh-huh. with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you would like to check out the bonus episode that is coming out today, question mark? Yeah, when this episode comes out, it'll be coming out today. Go over to Patreon, patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival or something crazy that's happened to you and you would like to send it in and possibly hear it on an upcoming listener's episode, send it to nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. Because that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know it. Yeah, I've been here. Um, And... Just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)